0: Hello, everybody. This is Captain Katz from Captain Cat's the Rider and welcome to you, and welcome to another special edition of Captain Cat's Ann, where I do interviews, exclusive interviews with people involved in social um, social social media, pop culture, and everything else in between. And today's guest is none other than Matt uh, Matt Dunford, the chairman of Comic Fest here in San Diego, California. Nice to have you here with us.
1: Oh, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you, likewise. And for the audience out there who don't know who you are and what Comic Best says, can you please tell them what they what both are?
1: Well, um, Matt Dunford is a human being. Um, <laughs> a dorky guy, if I uh, ever seen one. Um, but he is a guy who really loves comic books and he loves his community. He pretty much goes to, I, you know, well, I'll stop referring to myself in the third person because it's kind of douchey. But then again, I'm a douchey <laughs> guy. But I've been a lifelong fan of comic books and i love conventions and i love all things geeky i love cartoons video games and all that sort of stuff and it's that passion that drove me to becoming chairman of san diego comic fest and you might be saying san diego comic fest don't you mean san diego comic-con uh no but san diego comic fest was actually started by the very same people who founded san diego comic-con back in the day so that was mike towery and richard elf who started Mm -hmm. things back at the Mini-Con back in 1969. And long story short about things is, Comic-Con grew exponentially over the years. And the Founding Fathers, when they were reunited for the 40th anniversary of Comic-Con in 2009, they had such a great time just hanging out with each other once again. And they thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could take the convention back to its roots like the old days, where it's a small, intimate environment but you still have all these legendary creators of comics and film and science fiction just hanging out and about with you wouldn't that be the coolest thing ever and oh, so yeah, of course that it started as an idea in 2009 but the execution came to life in 20 uh, it was 2012 and that was the first San Diego Comic Fest
0: hmm. And that's, that's a very interesting story. Um, and yeah, to, before I really interrupted you, yeah, of course, who would not want to be around legends and, and you know, rub elbows with them, hear their stories, and talk about all things comics from the Silver and Golden Age and, and the Bronze Age and whatnot, you know? Who would not would love to have that?
1: Exactly. Now, and it's not like, you know, some people will say, oh, so you're the anti-Comic-Con. No, 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 we are not anti-Comic-Con. I love going to Comic-Con. I've been going to Comic-Con for 25 years, and I'll go till I keel over and die. But I understand at the same time that the San Diego Comic-Con experience or, you know, or bigger convention experience in general is not for everyone. So some people might feel overwhelmed or say, there's too much going on. I was like, You might want to take your baby steps before getting into things. So San Diego Comic-Cast provides that intimate environment. Um, I still believe that San Diego Comic-Con is the most well-oiled machine. I mean, the fact that there's no violent altercations, that everything goes smoothly, and it just shows how amazing that staff is and how well run the event is, because, you know, as an organizer, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, but Mm -hmm. it's about smoothing out things as they become problematic and make sure they don't become problematic, and so it takes a lot of work to run a comic convention, especially because San Diego Comic Fest, which attracts about you know an intimate number of 2,000 people, as opposed to the 200,000 that San Diego Comic-Con attracts. It's, people find it to be a welcome change of pace, but it's good for new people who are not familiar with the convention scene. However, it's also still great for established fans who've been going to conventions for a long time because they get the intimacy of interacting with these comic creators in this small environment by themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that's um, really good um, I, I totally understand about the intimacy of uh, conventions and stuff like that like you don't want to uh, throw someone into the deep end of the, of the convention scene you know like okay well their first convention is going to be Comic Con and whoosh so many people didn't know what to do you know um, starting out with a convention like uh, San Diego Comic Fest I think is a marvelous idea a wonderful idea and even though you know Comic Con has the bells and whistles and everything that screams out, you know, pop culture. Um, you guys also have uh, pop culture and everything like that as well, uh, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah. We still cater to things. And, you know, it's still keeping it to the roots of what Comic-Con started with. So that focus on comics, science fiction, and film. And for those people that say, oh, at Comic-Con, it's all about Hollywood. And movies have no place here. I, I, I hate to break it to you, but... Film was one of the original key things. It has been there since the start, and I'm uh, going up on things and just keeping things as they go. You have to evolve the convention as it is. Now, San Diego Comic Test, when it started in 2012, it had to focus on, you know, the idea was there, but it's still taking its baby steps. And then year two it's learning to crawl year three you i came on board as a volunteer and i helped things you know get a little get a little get a little pace and so you're up and running by year three but by year four that's where you find where it finally became the convention it needed to be it wanted to be this small intimate convention with a lot of legendary creators but then it finally just got to the point where it just had it was just non-stop entertainment and then i said you know what? This is cool. Why don't we keep, kick things up a notch? And by year five, I was appointed as chairman of the event. And that was the year where we celebrated the centennial of Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby was one of the original special guests at uh, San Diego Comic-Con way back when. And so to celebrate his 100th year. And the theme that we, cho- we choose each year is always dedicated to be one that is a cr- that spans across comics, film, and science fiction. And Kirby was that guy, because he was influential across the board no matter what. And that was the year where people were at the event and they couldn't decide which panel they wanted to go to. They're, they had choices between five programs and they were all just great at the same time. People had tears in their eyes because they couldn't decide which panel to go to. That's a pretty good problem to have when there's too many good choices.
0: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you... Yeah, well, I'm sorry.
1: yeah, you don't want to go to a convention where it's just boring and stagnant. It's like, okay, I'll walk the dealer hall, I bought some stuff, what am I going to do now? It's like, no, comic conventions are an ecosystem. You need to have it keep in balance with guests and programming and vendors and the fans along the way and just keep things in balance in order for to give you activity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, like I've seen in other conventions, um, other like, for example, um, like E3 and um, Stanley's Comic Con or the LA, Com- the LA Comic Con. And. Um, what are PAX? Yeah. And uh, PAX and whatnot. They do kind of have all the necessary things to make a convention work, but it gets so clustered and so uh, overwhelming for for some even for for veterans as well it tends to get a little stagnant or they see the same thing over and over and over again um how the way you expressing comic fest and how the way you sound you have so much joy and seeing all this joy coming out from attendees it shows that that intimacy of comic book fan and comic creator is just like really close it's kind of like um I, my, goal
1: is, my goal for this convention is not to make money my goal is to entertain people and have a good time
0: oh no yes of course um like a good example i was thinking of is when um eric clapton when he did uh his mtv Unplugged. i'm sorry about that <laughs> oh, i'm sorry about that noise folks but um when eric clapton did uh mtv Unplugged, he um he uh did um that concert and it was really intimate and it was really packed and it was like he made this he made mtv unplugged concert of his uh very intimate and made it feel like you were part of that that he did it just for you and how the way you're expressing it how you did it just for the people for the attendees there it sounds like you really put in a lot of love and care into this
1: yeah it is definitely a labor of love and it is something that's And it's something that has to be unique. So hence the shifting of themes each year. So, like, say, for example, the 2017, I mentioned we did the Jack Kirby theme. And the 2018 show, we did 200 Years of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein as the theme, because Frankenstein was the original science fiction that inspired the the whole genre of things. And, of course, it spanned into comics and spanned into film and animation, even, you know, serial boxes. Because there's no part of pop culture that wasn't touched by Frankenstein, but... The truth is, nobody else was touching Frankenstein for the theme that year. None of the horror conventions, none of the science fiction conventions. Nobody was doing nothing for this milestone occasion of Frankenstein. So that allowed us to do it. Wow, well, the, really? I did
0: not know that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Nobody knew it. No, we, we were the only people doing anything for Frankenstein last year. Huh. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Yeah, and of course, the whole thing is that was the year where a writer from Corpse called us America's Best Small Convention. And I felt, you know, nice about that title. But, you know, I want to do one better. I want to be America's Best Convention.
0: Good. I, I like that dedication there, right there. Um, if you can hear this, ladies and gentlemen, that is called dedication right there. And if you cannot appreciate that dedication, I don't know what you're doing.
1: One person um, that... coming to Comic Fest and not having a good time is too much for me. Everybody's got to have fun. If it's a mm-hmm. vendor, if it's a dealer, if it's a special guest, everybody's got to be having fun.
0: And I, I applaud you to that, sir. I really do. Okay. Um, speaking of themes, since he's, um, what is this year's theme for uh, Comic Fest? If you don't this mind year's me
1: asking, theme is 50 years of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Oh. Ah. Now some people will say, but that doesn't have anything to do with comics. It's like actually, I thought so too, but then I thought about it again. You see, the Apollo 11 moon landing when it occurred in 1969 was that moment where science fiction became science fact. When you look at the entirety of the 1960s and 50s, it, that, the whole thing is it was inspired by the space age. Everyone was obsessed with the concept of space travel and going out and exploring beyond look at the comics of the time, look at the fiction of the time, look at the science fiction of the time look at the architecture, everything was space age, even down to our cars which became rocket shaped along the way and, and especially in our comics I mean, Fantastic Four number one was looking into just like, about voyagers into the stars, and I mean it, it's an era that gave us stuff like the Jetsons and Star Trek and of course mm-hmm. you can't tell me that didn't shape our, our science fiction medium
0: Oh yeah I, I, indubitably.
1: Yeah and so with us taking a look at space age, I think that's actually a very cool theme when you get to it.
0: Well, yeah I, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, uh, a lot of people also tend to forget too because when that happened uh, another popular genre was on its when it was on its on its rise and that was uh, the western thing when the whole space thing thing came in, it just buried that one alive right then and there. Um, but, um, I like the way how you thought about this and you really, really, really put a lot of thought into this theme. Um, spe- oh, continuing on with the theme. Um, do you have any guests or special programs that are, are going to evolve around this theme?
1: Well, you know, we might have some cool special guests along the way. Um, We've got a guest of honor. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is uh, Sergio Aragones. He's been called the world's greatest living cartoonist. (laughs) Yes, I have. Yeah, the man's been cartooning at Mad Magazine for nearly 60 years. There's not an artist alive that would not call him the world's greatest living cartoonist. Um, You know, co-creator of Gru. Fantastic guy. He's so wonderful. And he is just, just... And I fanboyed so hard when he accepted my invitation to be guest of honor. And... Because, I mean, for the 2020 show, I'm going to try to do bigger and better. But Sergio is a tough act to follow. Yeah,
0: of course. Like, the man, the, the, the man single-handedly, like, did so much for the medium. And not only that, I, I would honestly would say that he was the true face of Mad Magazine since he's been there doing it for so long.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is he came into Mad Magazine you know, from in 1962, didn't speak any English, had $20 in his pocket, went to Mad Magazine with a stack of cartoons and said to uh, Antonio Projias, who is the cartoonist of, uh, of Spy vs. Spy, could you introduce me to the editor? I'm looking for a job as a cartoonist. And he says, well, you'll have to introduce yourself because, you know, I don't speak English either. <laughs> And then he just gets hired the next day because they liked his his work. And you know what? That first cartoon that Sergio did at Mad Magazine.
0: No, what was it?
1: It was a Mad look at the space program. He did a, a he did a, a satire about rocket ships.
0: That fits the bill.
1: And it fits the bill. So that's that's pretty awesome. How uh, how appropriate for our theme this year. And we do have uh, some other cool guests along the way. Um, we have a special golden age comic guest not a lot Ooh. of golden age guests coming into comic fest uh so this time around we have mr alan bellman who has been who was drawing captain america <sighs> in 1942 oh my goodness uh, and, oh and this guy is still drawing so i uh, highly recommend you get a sketch from this guy and he's still on his game he is great
0: yes Yes, if um, anybody who's a fan of, of um, like the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything like that, or the Marvel comics, please. And if you're in town, if you're in San Diego. Please go look for this man. He contributed so much to the Golden Age of Comics. One of many artists that contributed so much to the Golden Age of Comics.
1: All right. And then, of course, uh, we have other guests along the way, too. We have our science fiction guest of honor, Mr. William Nolan. The guy has won about every single science fiction award there is. Authored more than 2,000 pieces of creative fiction. And he even co-wrote Logan's Run. Mm Mm-hmm. He's still writing. He's still up and at it we pay tribute to the fans so we have our our fan guest of honor Mr. Bill Shelley who's authored a lot of books about the comic fandom along the way so you know because you know, fans are an important part and we have our dealer guest of honor Mr. Bud Plant who made it through 49 consecutive San Diego Comic Cons before finally bowing out
0: I know him <laughs> yeah. I've, I've I've been going to Comic Cons since I was a kid and that name always rings a bell so um it was sad to see him go so that he he bowed out to it so it will be great to see him again
1: there okay it is uh, it is going to be very good to see him as well and then um, normally like I was saying about the about the event is I do what I feel is right Right for the community for a theme and I don't take a personal fanboy bias because as an event organizer you need to take a step back from your personal fanboy and decide what is for the good of the community it's always community first but this year I'm like you know what Now, I'm going to let my personal fanboy flag fly and I'm going to celebrate the thing that I want to do too so we're going to celebrate 25 years of the Spider-Man animated series with show producer John Semper my own favorite cartoon
0: that is good. That is a very good. That that is a very good guest. Um, I too love the series. I thought it was really great. It was. Uh, I honestly think I am um, one of the best Spider-Man cartoons ever created.
1: No, no, it's just the best cartoon ever created. <laughs> and I will tell you because when I when I first saw it, November nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, Night of the Lizard, when it first premiered. I mean, I'd been reading Spider-Man fan, I'm a Spider-Man, I was a Spider-Man fanboy and I loved the comics, but when I saw the cartoon, it just did something to my brain that just drove me into overdrive and it was just, I was just so blown away by what I witnessed and I was just amazed and I could not get enough of that. And I just, just, at that point, it's like, that cartoon was so awesome, it was so cool. And I just thought to myself, I need Spider-Man toys. And I begged my parents to take me to Toys R Us where I picked up web shooter Spider-Man and the Kingpin action figure. I bought Kingpin because he was the biggest one out of all the villains, because I wanted a big figure. And I bought Web Shooter Spider-Man because he looked better than Web Slinger Spider-Man, because Web Slinger Spider-Man's arms were stuck up in a fixed position, and Web Shooter Spider-Man could actually shoot Web and he had a fist, so he could you could play with him.
0: <laughs> oh, the fanboy's really coming out of you right now, isn't he?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, so we're going to be doing some great Spider-Man programming. We're going to be doing uh, a panel on John Semper, talking about his history in animation, how he became the first black showrunner when Jim Henson gave him the job running uh, running, uh, running Fraggle Rock, and we get to do 25 years of the Spider-Man animated series, which is going to be so, so awesome, and then we're going to do another one called True Origins of the Spider-Verse. Now. Into the spider-verse was easily my favorite movie of last year i'm a huge mm-hmm. spider-man fan i did i went into that movie um i got into like a red carpet premiere and i just went to see it's like you know it's probably gonna suck because i'm not thrilled with what sony has been done has done with the spider-man movies i did not like the andrew garfield ones and i had no interest in seeing that venom movie which looked like the best superhero movie of 1997. <laughs> But I decided to go. It was like, all right, I'll just go so I can say how bad it is. And then I watch it, and I was just... That movie was so much better than it had any right to be. It was so good. But the thing about it is, if you were a fan of the Spider-Man animated series, you'll notice that the plot of that movie seems eerily familiar. Hmm. It's actually pretty much just taken verbatim from spider wars the final two episodes of the spider-man animated series and john and i uh are going to have the opportunity to talk about the, the the what went into those final episodes of the spider-man animated series and i mean i still remember i actually got to see the spider-man animated series finale before anyone in america did because in summer of 97 i was on vacation and in canada and they had this channel called ytv which was the coolest channel ever because they had just like non-stop stuff and hardly any like they didn't have commercials you could just watch stuff with uh with hosts talking about comics and it was great they really spoke to kids and resonated with them and they showed the final episode of the spider-man show months before it came to the united states and i got to witness the finale and i was like i have no idea what's going on right here with this but it was the coolest thing ever and then the final episode premiered in the United States on January 31st, 1998. And I remember I watched it and I have the context for it now, but I remember that exactly what I did after my family went to go see Titanic. So that shows you how dated things were afterwards. Wow. So yeah, um, we get to have this cool look at the, uh, spider Verses with, uh, John Semper. So you can see the original spider verse along the way. Um, we also have some great animation guests for things. Mr. Tony Benedict, who used to write for the Flintstones, the Jetsons, Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Magilla Gorilla, and just about every Hanna-Barbera show there was back in the day, he is coming to the show.
0: Wow, that is good. Uh, if anybody has questions about those shows, he's the man to talk.
1: Oh yeah. And uh, we also have another living legend of animation who is uh, happy to make a return to San Diego Comic Fest. He was the first black animator to work at Disney. And his first project that he worked on was a little-known film called Sleeping Beauty. And he's worth, he spent nearly a decade working with Walt Disney himself. Mr. Floyd Norman is coming back to hang out with us.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That caught my attention. <laughs> yeah.
1: And for things along the way, um, we have uh, another great animation guest coming back with us. He is the animator who animated the spaghetti kissing scene in Lady and the Tramp. He also created Hong Kong Fui. Mr. Willie Ito is coming back.
0: Ooh, okay. I love Hong Kong Fui, so yeah, that that sold it for me right there.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we also like to embrace strong parts of animation history. And one that we're going to really be celebrating is the 70th anniversary of Time for Beanie, which was the brainchild of legendary animator Bob Clampett. So his children, Rob and Ruth Clampett, are coming to the show to do a presentation for the 70th anniversary of Time for Beanie and also talk about how it's the 50th anniversary since the final Looney Tunes cartoon aired. And they're, this is those two, I've, after seeing them in person, they're not just about nepotism. They hold their own as amazing entertainers. And they, they've, you know, built empires for themselves. Like, Ruth even used to be, like, the lady who was the go-to gal for orchestrating fine art at the Warner Brothers store. Remember the Warner Brothers store back in the 90s? That, that place oh. was amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. the Oh, the, uh, the, uh, man. The Warner Brothers store. I always... When I had nothing better to do during the day, I would just go there and just walk around and just see, like, Oh man this this generation of kids would <laughs> are missing out on so and, much stuff
1: and then you know Rob himself he is you know taken up uh you know film archival stuff and he you know put together the DVD volumes for Beanie and Cecil he even you know had a hand in I think the uh he even is the guy who brought to life uh JJ the jet plane and it, it's just like it, 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 he's the reason we have it in, Amer- in America now and so this is just awesome, and we also have some. And again, before we drone on too much about the, how awesome the Clampets are, we bring in uh, another great animation guest, Mr. Buzz Dixon, who wrote for Thunder the Barbarian, GI Joe, Transformers, Batman: The Animated Series, Tiny Toons. Basically, if it was a toy advertisement disguised as a cartoon, Buzz was the guy was the guy writing it.
0: Nice that, yeah. Um... The car- like, the advertisement for the cartoons and stuff like that were just pure genius back in the 90s. And 80s
1: that-, that... Buzz, Buzz yeah. told us a very cool lesson about it because it originated with uh, the Smurfs. The um, FCC um, says you can't make a cartoon based off of a toy line due to the Hot Wheels cartoon in 1966. And so they say, oh, you can't make, a, make this first cartoon. They said, uh, it, no, it's not based on a toy. It's, it's, based on a, it's based on a comic book. And then the animators were like, hey. So they would go to Marvel Comics and say, hey, can you print out a, a four-issue series of this Transformers toy we got? Can you do a four-issue series of this Thundercats thing that we got with this He-Man? And so, boom. That's where the Star comics came from in, in the 80s. And so they would do those, those little mini-issues before the toy lines came out so they could say it's based on a comic book. (laughs) Buzz is so full of these great stories. In fact, Buzz and John Semper are actually going to be doing a panel at Comic Fest on how toys influenced animation. So you can learn all these crazy stories about how these toy moguls were the ones actually pulling the strings on the cartoons.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I I definitely would love to go see that because... If there was one toy toy line series I've actually always had so many questions I wanted to ask, it was the GoBots.
1: GoBots, yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you'll get some good questions there because Buzz was around for that drama back in the day. GoBots versus Transformers. Yep. He, yes. Uh, he is quite familiar.
0: Yeah, definitely got to go ask that. Um, uh, besides, moving along from animation, how about the international scene? Do you have any guests coming from the international scene?
1: Um, yes, we might uh, have some very cool international guests. Uh, you know, we might have Mr. Hiroshi Kanatani, who is... <gasps> I, was like, no, I, know, I know who he is. <laughs> you might have seen him in Shonen, Shonen Sunday, and of course in Famous Monsters of Filmland, and he's actually licensed by Toho to do Godzilla stuff. And I got the, I got some original art from him. He's not even pricey or anything. He is amazing. And he's been doing so much Godzilla work. And on Sunday, the Sunday of Comic Fest at 4 p.m., we're going to be doing uh, a Kaiju panel that Hiroshi is going to be on with uh, KPBS's Beth Alcamando and Chris Maury, who is the former writer of Godzilla: Rulers of the Earth, which actually holds the world record for longest Godzilla series, beating out the old, the Dark Horse one by uh, by one issue. So, yeah, he, held, he holds that world record. And now he's actually moved on from the IDW Godzilla series. And he's actually Toho's North American brand manager now. <laughs> oh. so we're going to have some, uh, some really cool guys there talking about, uh, talking about uh, giant monsters. And uh, I definitely recommend picking up a sketch from Hiroshi.
0: Oh, yeah. That, I've always... I, I, I grew up with kaiju monsters and everything like that. Um, his name is synonymous with Godzilla. Um, yeah, I definitely have to get one for my personal collection.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's been uh, going all out at it. He just uh, wrapped up at uh, Pensacon in Florida. And so he's coming out to uh, San Diego next week. So we're going to be very uh, ecstatic to have him back on things. And also, um, along the way, we do have uh, some other great uh, creators that are coming along with the show. Uh, the guys from Man of Action Entertainment will be present and accounted for at San Diego Comic Fest. So I'm talking Joe Kelly, Joe Casey, Steve Siegel, and Duncan Rollo, The guys who created Big Hero 6 and Ben 10 and currently work on Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and Marvel's Avengers Assemble series. Uh, these guys are awesome. They did the X-Men stories that I read when I was growing up in the late 90s, and now that they're coming to the show, and like Joe Kelly's Deadpool run back in the 90s. I hate Deadpool, but I love Joe Kelly's Deadpool. That is legit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Joe Casey with his image books like Sex and Butcher Baker, Righteous Maker, and The Bounce. It's like, they're, they're just such fun, enjoyable books. And it's just awesome to have these guys around for it. And I'm, I'm just really looking forward to having them because they're pretty heavy hitters and, and great writers.
0: Oh, no, yeah, they are. Um, and the books that you previously mentioned, um, very underrated, very... They really went under the radar when they were first released. Um, I would always recommend people, if you never... If you want to read something that was really under the radar and no one really paid attention to them, like, pick up those books. They were really good. They were I always believe that they were, like, pretty much ahead of the curve when the time that they came out.
1: Yeah, they are... Just uh, just awesome as can be. Yes. And uh, let's see, who else do we have coming to the San Diego Comic Fest that I can uh, slightly delay and hype up? Oh, there's one writer that I'm a very big fan of who is coming to the show. Mr. James Robinson, who is the Eisner Award winning comic writer for Starman, which will be celebrating its 25th anniversary at San Diego nope. Comic Fest.
0: Nice. Very Nice.
1: And I'm just really ecstatic for that, because honestly, you know, Starman was arguably the best superhero comic of the 90s. And I say this arguably because, you know, some people say, no, what about Hellboy? It's like, we're going to fight over it. We gonna, it's, it's fightable. It's a great debate. And keep in mind, you know, Starman and Hellboy they actually did team up with Batman nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing story. And so, I mean, James has done such an... You know, a, a wonderful career of just like Batman, Superman, JSA, just Captain America, Fantastic Four, Cable, Squadron Supreme, and over image he's done like Leave It to Chance and that really fun new one, held, like it was an Airboy. He's, he's got a, quite the writing career under his belt, and now he's actually been tapped to write uh, the new DC show, Stargirl. So he gets to talk a little about that at Comic Fest, too.
0: Ooh, that is good. I've heard a lot of uh, uh, good things about it, too. Um, um, I don't know if he could spill a lot of beans or maybe, you know, wink, wink, slip a picture or two out in the open or whatnot.
1: Oh, yeah. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but, uh, check things out at Fest. And then, um, another wonderful artist we're happy to have at the show. He's the winner of the Eisner Award, the Harvey Award, the Inkpot Award, um... You know he's the co-creator of Nexus, and he's worked for Marvel and DC and Dark Horse on a whole bunch of projects. Mr. Steve Rude is coming to San Diego Comic Fest.
0: Wow, Steve Rude, I've, I have a lot of respect for Steve Rude. I really do. Um, beautiful artwork, uh, one of the best. Um, even though his name doesn't get mentioned up with a lot of the of the current right, the current artists and everything like that his art really speaks out and I totally believe he sometimes tend to be under the radar so I'm glad to see that you guys are actually bringing him over so he can show everybody who's there hey this is my art this is what I do and you may never know you know maybe some young kid will see his art and like inspire them
1: yeah so. his artwork is just phenomenal yes and, um, other folks along the way because you know we don't we always like to not just embrace the writing side and the artistic side. We also bring in the editorial side. So uh, Mr. Chris Ryle, who actually is currently the president publisher and chief creative officer at IDW. And he was previously the editor in chief. He is coming to San Diego comic fest to hang out with us and just have a blast.
0: Nice. Very
1: nice. You know, it's so cool because he's such a down to earth guy and he's so chill and he's so, awesome I and mean, so passionate he just will talk your head off about rom and john byrne and all these just cool stories along the way and now he's just in you know the president publisher and cco it's just he, he let his passion guide him to the top of the company and it's so awesome to see because there's no guy better suited for that role than him
0: mm-hmm. well deserving too well deserving yes
1: And then uh, other comic guests that we got along the way, Mr. Stan Sakai. He was a late announcement, but, uh, you know, Stan Sakai, creator of Asagi Yojimbo. He's coming to the show.
0: Mm -hmm. I've met him many a times during uh, Comic-Con. Nicest person in the world. A lot of love and respect I have for Stan Sakai.
1: And another fan favorite I get to bring in, uh, which is a little bit of my personal fanboy. I get to bring in... Harvey Award-winning, Eisner Award-winning creator, Too Much Coffee, man. Okay, and the New Yorker, where he's at these days, Mr. Shannon Wheeler.
0: <laughs> oh, Too Much Coffee, man. Love, love well, Too I'm, Much Coffee, man.
1: I'm a very big fan of Too Much Coffee, man.
0: Yes. I actually have a mug of Too
1: Much Coffee, man. I have two mugs of Too Much Coffee, man. Ah, touche. Yeah. <laughs> you should have be been like, well, I've got three mugs. Three shades.
0: oh with all these wonderful guests do you have any local guests coming in as well
1: uh do we have any local guests in as well uh let's see what we got so anyway we do have mr joe phillips as a special guest and he will be here i'm happy to have him on board he is a good friend of mine and i'm just happy to have things on there um I think he is just a great guy. He is a great artist, and he's so cool along the way, and I'm so happy to have him.
0: That's good to hear. That's good to hear.
1: And also, um, other along the way, it's like, yeah, it's like, I think Joe is Joe the only... Oh, also from uh, local, we have Miss uh, Jackie Estrada, who is the administrator for the Eisner Awards in San Diego, and she is the author of... Comic-Con 40 years of fans, friends, and artists, and Comic-Con people documenting Comic-Con over the years. So if you want a great historian on all things comics, check out Jackie. She's awesome.
0: Yes, uh, I know Jackie um, as well. She's a wonderful per- wonderful person, a great sweetheart. Uh, I was a big fan of her of her husband's work, yeah. uh, Button Lash, and it's sad, it sad to hear that he passed away. Broke broke yeah. my heart.
1: Button was a great guy. He was a wonderful guy. He was the closest thing to a father figure in this community that i had we'd sit and um talk about spider-man for hours on end and then just when i got the news that he passed it just hit me like a ton of bricks
0: yeah when i when i when i heard about when he passed away i just um i looked at my old collection that i have of, of um of the comics that he did And I decided that day I just sat down and just started Reading them all over again Because they were so well written They were so great And they were odd and different But yet, you know Insightful, tongue-in-cheeky And um, Surprisingly enough, I learned the law that way (laughs) But um, Yeah, it was sad to hear when he passed away Really sad But it's it's great to, to hear that Jackie's gonna be there um for those out there if you really want to talk to somebody that really knows the history of comic con and also the eisner awards and everything from a historical point of view uh please go check out jackie estrada she's really great such a
1: sweetheart she is really really awesome and she of course, like I mentioned, we are a sci-fi, uh, science fiction-oriented convention, so we do have some science fiction guests coming out of the woodwork for us. Mr. Greg Bear, Gregory Benford, uh, David Brin, and Werner Vinge are coming out to the show as well.
0: Ooh.
1: Oh, yeah. Those guys are uh, coming out and about for it. Uh, we also got a uh, local author, Jonathan Mayberry. as you know, He's a author of science fiction and comics. He's written for Black Panther. He's got his V-War series. He's got Rotten Ruin, and he was the last... Writer to actually work with George Romero on uh, a project for that uh, *Night of the Dead* prequel, or Dawn of the Dead*, or whatever *Of the Dead* it was called. It's, it's, it's hard to keep. It's hard to keep track.
0: Right, right, right. But yeah, um, yes, I've, I've heard of. I've heard of his name. Um, very good writer. Very good. Very good.
1: Yes. He's a very nice guy. He's a very jolly, good, wonderful guy. Um, other artists and, you know, plethora of knowledge that I highly recommend checking out at the show, take a, take a moment to talk with Scott Shaw. He's a cartoonist. He's an animator. He's created the Oddball comic show, Captain Carrot, and he's just a guy who will talk your head off. And he's awesome. I love Scott. He's such a great artist and so talented. He's so fun to work with.
0: Yeah, Scott Shaw, um... One of, one of the nicest person people in the world to talk to about comics and everything like that. Um, if you ask him a random topic of comics, he will eventually talk, like, go from point A to point B, and then you have no idea what's happening in between, and then it will all go back to point A again. That's, so,
1: if, You know, that's just the crazy thing. It's like, even I'm impressed. I, I, I like to think that I know a lot about comics, but it's... I, I, I'm not a drop of the water compared to Scott Shaw. And even Scott has often says he bounds down to this next guy, Mr. Mark Evanier, who's probably the most prolific genius of all things comics, I, I'd say in the world. He's, you know, won multiple Eisner awards. He writes groove for Sergio Aragonis, and he did the... Jack Kirby, king of comics. He used to work as Jack Kirby's assistant back in the day. This guy has seen everything and knows everything. And just when you think you've heard everything from him, you realize you're barely scratching the surface of his knowledge of comics, science fiction, film, and television. It's just amazing. Just Ebonir is the man.
0: Yes. Yes, he is. Um, um, I've heard stories. I've I've asked him questions. and He told me crazy stories. Wonderful stories. Um, Like, uh... A, a good example I can I can tell the story was uh, when I asked him about Mr. Miracle, about what was the relationship of Big Barda and Scott Free was based off of, it. and he told me that that relationship was based off of Kirby and his wife.
1: Hmm. I did not know that.
0: Yes. That um, Kirby and Roz was the um, basis of what Scott and Big Barda's relationship was in the Mr. Miracle comics.
1: Oh, that's pretty, uh... pretty interesting story. I did not know that. I have to look more into that. I always love hearing those Kirby stories, because the thing is, I'm... I find myself more interested in Jack Kirby, the man, than I am in Jack Kirby's stories. Yes. Jack is just... He just had an amazing and interesting life, and I just loved every bit of it.
0: Oh, yeah. Who, Who doesn't? Um... I wouldn't be surprised if someone actually sat down with every person who had a Jack Kirby story of the man, you know, I'll be a documentary right there of the ages because it, like the Jack Kirby, the artist and everything like that was 100% completely different from Jack Kirby, the person. Yes.
1: Okay, but... It's just, you know, something in history and it's always a fascinating story. So definitely, like I said, take the opportunity to talk with Scott Shaw and take the opportunity to talk with Mark Evan here. In fact, they're going to have some really cool talks together. There's Scott and Mark comic stories. So an hour of them talking comic stories and then Scott and Mark animation stories where they talk about cartoons for an hour. And so don't miss those. Those are awesome.
0: Yes. Trust me. You guys will have a good, good time with those two talking about comics and cartoons, you cannot miss it.
1: Uh, Yeah, and then other uh, presentations I highly recommend. Uh, We're bringing back in comic historian Arlen Schumer, who is the author of The Silver Age of Comic Art, and he will be presenting four visual lectures over the course of three days. Now, when Arlen came to the show two years ago, if I were to pick the four most entertaining panels of the 2017 San Diego Comic Fest, I would have to say, they were all arlen schumer's visual lectures he did the jack kirby centennial he did the silver age of comic art he did 50 years of neil adams in comics and the last one that trying to remember oh yeah 25 years of batman the animated series and it's a beautiful lecture of comic book style storytelling within a lecture that shows you how the art develops evolves and everything behind the scenes. It's just innately fascinating. So he's got a new lineup this year that he's bringing in. So he will be doing the 50th anniversary of Jim Steranko's Captain America, the 50th anniversary of Neil Adams' Batman, the 60th anniversary of The Twilight Zone, and a Steve Ditko visual lecture.
0: Those sound marvelous.
1: Yes. And so, yeah, he uh, go see them. He's uh, definitely a very ecstatic guy, and he uh, he is a he's a great entertainer.
0: Yeah, that that sounds very interesting. Wonderful. Um, I'm definitely going to try to get to those lectures, because they sound interesting, very interesting.
1: Yeah. So, as you can see, we jam packed this event with programming i only approve programming that's a grade i want everybody to be entertained non-stop that's what i want at comic fest
0: that's great to hear Well, before we wrap this up, um, would you like to give out uh, any social media plugins or anything to Comic Fest or anything?
1: Oh yes, of course. Um, So check out our website at www.sdcomicfest.org. You can find all the information there about special guests, hotels, buy your tickets. Um, So the event, of course, is March seventh to the tenth at the Four Points Sheraton off Arrow Drive. And you can also check us out at Facebook. Just look up San Diego Comic Fest and check us out on instagram and twitter handle is at sd comic fest and just you know come geek out with us and the show is exactly one week away from today and i hope you join us i hope you have a great time because it's going to be just awesome i've been working my butt off to make sure that this is you know i'm trying to make it the america's best convention I'm really working forward to that. And I want to make sure that everybody has a great time and that everyone is informed and entertained and gets to share their passion and gets to make a lot of friends and just having a, having a weekend that you won't forget.
0: Well, I sure definitely won't try to miss this one because it sounds very wonderful with the guests and the lineups and everything. Um, hopefully for sure that I will definitely be there for that whole entire weekend. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for being our guest today.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, you're great welcome and on behalf of matt my name is captain cats thank you for t- uh taking time of the day to listen to captain cats presents and i hope you guys have a great week and i hope to see you guys there at comic fest i i myself and the night Rider and omega kai and chewy will try to be there and if you see us around don't hesitate to ask us and you know have autographs or sit down and talk with us too as well so without further ado uh hope you guys have a great night and a great day and i hope to see you next week take care bye-bye all
1: right see you around bye